0: This is the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're taming the mommy monster in episode number 170. Welcome to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. Hi. This is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am really happy to be here with you doing a podcast again. Even if you're listening to this podcast in order, it's been a few weeks since I've recorded a podcast because my life has been really crazy. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but... I have a little bit of a cold lingering, and that has not been fun at all, but I've also gone through a breast biopsy and a kidney stone over the past several weeks, and all of that together is really too much for anybody, but... Again, and and actually that's kind of what inspired this podcast episode because we're going to talk about what to do when you keep losing your temper or you feel like you're having a hard time being a mom. You know, how do you handle that? And I wanted to really speak from my heart today because not only have I had health issues over the past really couple of months at this point, but... Life has also been really difficult for me. I know that I've alluded to it on a lot of podcasts talking about how challenging the last few years have been, but I really haven't gone into a lot of detail. Um, And so I just, I kind of wanted to share from my heart and also share in a way that I hope will help you on your mothering journey. So my situation has been really difficult essentially because I've spent the last few years as a single mom. A single mom to eight kids and a single mom in a situation that involves unfathomable trauma. And I'm not going to go into all of that or all of the circumstances right now other than to say I hope it never happens to your family. And one of my passions in life is to help make sure that it doesn't happen to other families. But I can say that on a practical day-to-day level, it's left me juggling a lot. So if you send me an email and it takes me a little bit to get back to you, know that part of that is because I'm just juggling so much and I'm doing it all alone. That's also why there was a time when there weren't a lot of podcasts and when there wasn't a lot going up on natural birth and baby care, but I do know that I still feel really passionately about helping moms and babies and serving them how I can. And NBBC, Mama Baby Birthing, Mama Baby Rising, and this podcast are some of the ways I can do that, even though I don't know that midwifery or anything like that is in my future now. But again, moms and babies, y'all have my heart, and I love you, and I wanna help you. And as I spent the past couple of weeks really feeling like the very nasty cherry on top of everything else going on was this cold that, you know, it it hasn't really been bad. It hasn't been in my chest or anything, so I'm thankful for that. But I've had this head congestion, and I don't know about you, but when I've spent a few days where I can't really breathe through my nose, I start to kind of feel, I guess, claustrophobic in a way. It's like, oh my gosh, it just drives you crazy, and your head is pounding, and your kids are yelling, and some of my kids felt... And others were fine, but when you have any kids that feel bad, you know, it's just life just gets overwhelming and you don't feel good. The most unfair thing in the world is when mom is sick. And so there were definitely some moments where I really lost it with my kids. And another thing is, is we've continued to homeschool, even though things have been tough for our family. But with everything going on, and with everything that's been going on for a few years, I feel like we're perpetually one step behind in homeschooling. And of course I had high hopes for the beginning of this year. And then I end up with a cancer scare. And then I end up with a kidney stone that lands me in the ER where I'm in agony for hours being ignored and all of this. And, and I'm still trying to play catch up with homeschooling and one kid. Um, my 13 year old really has some significant learning challenges and that can be tough. And so, you know, I'm losing my temper because the house is a mess and school isn't going smoothly. And I'm just, oh, it's like, where do you go from there? You know, where do you go when you're in a situation that's unfair, that no person should ever have to find themselves in and you still have to parent? Where do you go? So that's what I want to talk about on this episode is when you feel like you're at rock bottom or when you feel like you're going to have a heart attack because you're just so frustrated with everything. And I've talked about a lot of things over the years that I feel can really help you with this. But I hope this particular message blesses you and gives you something. So let's let's step away from my situation right now and just talk a little bit more in general in ways that I hope will help you. So the first thing that I want you to do is give yourself a break no mother is perfect. I have had some colossal failures across my mothering career, which has spanned 20 years now, and I've still got approximately 14 years to go, not to mention decades and decades and decades of parenting adult children. So I've been there. I've really messed up. I messed up when I was a young mother. I messed up last week. You know, when we're moms, we mess up, sometimes colossally so, and sometimes we really screw up and we hurt our kids. And that's what I want to talk about is that situation where you feel like I am the worst mother in the world because I yelled at my kid or I said something nasty to my kid or I lost my temper and I smacked my kid or something like that. Those things happen. Those things happen even if you are a conscious, intentional mother who has decided, I'm not going to do X, I'm not going to do Y, I'm not going to do Z. You may find yourself pushed to your limit by your kids, by your external circumstances, by health, by all these things. And I want you to give yourself a break because no mother is perfect. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is something that I learned about just recently in the last few months, and it is the concept of the good enough mother. That means that you do not have to be a perfect mom. And in fact, the most interesting, the coolest thing about this concept of the quote-unquote good enough mother is that she's actually better for your children than a perfect mother. So I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Your children are better off having a good enough mother than they are having a perfect mother. Here's the deal. If children are raised by absolutely perfect parents or by a perfect mother, because for some reason, most of us can say that dads don't have to be perfect, but we have this expectation of ourselves that we should be perfect as mothers. Now, there are times when dads really screw up and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, he's such a knucklehead or something. And then you're like, okay, I wish he'd get with the program. But for the most part, we forgive dads a lot more than we forgive ourselves but you don't want perfect parents either way you want good enough parents but in this podcast episode i want to talk about the good enough mom because that's what you're wrestling with so if your children have a perfect mother they grow up stunted why because if your children are cocooned through life And never challenged because they have a mother who perfectly meets every need. And when I talk about this, I don't really talk so much about physical needs. I'm talking about emotional needs. Because for the most part, most of us realize that there might be some dinners where we feed our kids Tyson chicken nuggets. There may be some days when we're running late. There might be a couple of weeks where we really should have gotten around to that pair of sneakers and our kids are still wearing sandals and it's a little nippy out. Most of us realize that those things happen. But when it comes to emotional and mental health for our children, we're far less forgiving of ourselves because we think, if I don't meet every emotional need that my child has, I'm not a good mom. I'm not doing what I should do for them. So when we talk about a good enough mom, I'm particularly talking about a mom meeting her child's emotional needs. Now we all realize, and many of you may have grown up in families and households, where your emotional needs weren't met at all. And even where your physical needs may have not been met at all. And I re- so I realize there's an extreme. But... I'm going to trust that you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a pretty intentional mom, a pretty conscious mom. And even if you grew up with that legacy in your past, you've probably done work to overcome it and be a mom who can be present for your children. Okay, ladies, and I have to admit that I just had to pause this podcast episode because my kids are beating down the door and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I can't yell at them because I'm talking about a podcast episode where I can't yell, but of course it turns out that they were appropriately hollering at me because somebody just dropped off a turkey for Thanksgiving, which is next week at the time that I'm recording this, and that's just kind of how my life goes. Um, And then you probably just heard somebody scream in the background. But anyways, we were talking about the good enough mother, right? And we're talking about that emotional, uh, being there and meeting your kids' emotional needs. So I'm not talking about an extreme where somebody's neglected, and I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, that you want to be an attention, intentional and emotionally attached mom, and that even if you have issues in your past or traumas that have happened more recently, that you're seeking help for that, and that you are able to be there for your kids. So Again, one of the things that I wanna encourage you is this thought of a good enough mom. So I was saying that a perfect mother who meets every single one of her kids' needs actually stunts her child. Why is that? It's because your child in the real world will meet with adversity and stress. And the time that is best for them to learn how to deal with those things is when they're children and when they're in a situation where they can get their emotional needs met in a safe way, but not all of them. So they have a chance to experience stress, to experience a level of emotional neglect, but not Not neglect in an abusive sense, but sometimes when mom says, you know what, you've got to deal with that on your own, honey. I'm just not available for you right this minute. That does not make you a bad mother. That actually gives your child a chance to experiment and figure out ways that they can handle situations and then check back in with you. When I think about things that I've learned over the years, one of the things that I've learned is that little ones are satellites, Children are satellites, so they like to move out and explore and do things and then they want to come back and they want to touch base with the home base. When you are not a perfect mother who doesn't always meet your children's emotional needs whenever they have them, they may have to spend some time satelliting out and figuring things out. But you guys will touch base later on. Maybe, for example, you won't be recording a podcast right that minute when they check back later on in the evening. Or you're off the phone. Or you were working when they tried to check in with you earlier, and now you're available. And of course, some of this is going to be staggered. For example, you pay a lot more attention to a newborn's needs than you do your fifth grader's needs, right? It's not saying you don't pay attention to your fifth grader, but you realize that your newborn's needs are urgent and in the moment for the most part. But when your fifth grader is whining at you that they're bored, you feel comfortable saying, honey, I'm about to have a Zoom call with my boss. You need to go find something to do and I'll check in with you in about an hour. So... That is a time when you may not be a quote-unquote perfect parent, but your child gains a lot from that because they have to be resourceful or you could always go with the whole, if you really can't think of anything to do, then I know a certain room that needs to be cleaned and I'll check in with you in an hour. So again, if you think about if we were to baby our children physically, We would stunt their growth. And in fact, we actually see this in a lot of ways physically with babies because of containerization. When you containerize babies, when you take them and put them in the car seat and move the car seat from stroller to car to house, and then you put them into another container and into another container where they're always cocooned and held... Think about it. Babies today, in addition to having problems with flathead, babies today develop slower than babies in the past because they're not laying on the floor. <laughs> they're not put on flat surfaces and they're not even necessarily carried on their mother, like on their mother's um, chest or back where they would have to develop greater head control. So children today develop physically slower Because they're cocooned and held by various baby contraptions so much as opposed to human babies in the past. And it's similar in an emotional way. If we cocoon our children all the time and we keep them from experiencing boredom or experiencing discomfort and having to figure out how to comfort themselves a little bit, how to cope with that a little bit in small and measured doses, then in some ways we cripple them. And that is why a good enough mother is better than a perfect mother. Because a good enough mother has her own life and her own situations and her own stress, but she's still a good enough mom. She's there most of the time. She meets her kids' needs most of the time. Even if she's had to say, you play on your own for a little while, she's there to check back in a little later and say, how are you doing? How did it go? That good enough mom is a mom who helps her kids. And a good enough mom is also a mom who models for her kids in healthy ways. And that's something we're going to come back to and talk about in a little bit. But for right now, I just want you to hold on to that. That a good enough mom is good enough. You do not have to saddle yourself with the guilt of always being perfect. Always reacting perfectly. Always being perfectly present. And always meeting your kids' emotional needs. Because if you did... You would cripple your child. They wouldn't be able to function without you because there would never be that discovery of themselves as an individual. An individuation is a process that our children go through. It takes a long time. Again, we have that newborn versus fifth grader versus 15-year-old versus 20-year-old. 20, 20 you know, my 20-year-old has called me a few times in the last few weeks having a really tough time in college and, you know, spent some time sobbing on the phone to mom and then gets going. It's different than when she was, you know, 10 or when she was one. But there's still a little bit of that. I need mom as this ballast as I go forth into adulthood and get used to this time. But it's different. It's different each age and it becomes less. And, and it's a it's a thing about being there, but allowing your child the space to... Develop resilience. And part of it is because you're not perfect. And that gives them the space to figure things out. And that's okay. So think about that being a good enough mom. Now let's talk about some practical things. So, one of the first things that I find helpful when I'm really burned out and really stressed out and really wanting to scream at my kids is I need, I realize I need to manage my expectations. And like right now, I feel mildly irritated because my children are being super noisy and I'm sure that you can hear them in the background. But I know that they're out there. I have no older kids here right now. It's only my younger kids. They're excited because somebody just dropped off not only a turkey, but a whole bunch of treats like a frozen pie and a bunch of Kit Kat bars and other random stuff. And so they're out there thinking, when mom finishes this podcast episode, if we have the house clean, we might be eating Kit Kat bars. And so they're out there all aflutter and it's happy chatter. So even though it irritates me, I manage my expectations because I think, number one, my podcast listeners probably don't mind that. I've been told across the years and years and years, almost decade, I've been doing this podcast that y'all do not mind kid noises in the background too much. And then also I know it's only a bunch of little ones out there and they're excited because they're thinking about Kit Kat bars. They're not thinking about mom's podcast. So I need to manage expectations. When I have realistic expectations of them and of myself, things go better that's something i've really gotten schooled on is like with again health issues this semester because i'm thinking about homeschool this season you know i've had to realize i am just not going to be able to do everything in fact what i shared with you at the beginning of the episode just being open about my situation is like i realized i just i can't pretend Like, I have a staff, and I have a husband at home, and I have all this going on that is helpful to me. It's just me, myself, and I. I can't afford to hire an assistant right now, and I'm mothering a whole bunch of kids all by myself while still trying to help impact moms and babies, and I've had a cancer scare. I've had a kidney stone that came out of nowhere freaking bizarre, and it's just, you know, plus I've got all kinds of other stuff going on that goes on in a mom's life randomly sometimes it seems plus kid issues which are always legion so again it's just realizing that my expectations of myself can't be too high now it doesn't mean that we don't have goals and so I'm I'm actually gonna jump I have a list of things, but I'm going to jump because this one kind of goes with what I just said, which is managing your expectations. And this, I believe, came from Terry Maxwell, an email that she sent out. She wrote the book Managers of Their Homes, which if you've listened to some episodes or taken some of my classes... That's one of my favorite resources for how to get your day organized and fit everything in that you need to fit in. Just brilliant, great advice from a seasoned mom. But she sent out an email where she talked about this, and it really blessed me, and I hope it blesses you. And that's have high goals and low expectations. So, for example, I mentioned my 13 year old struggles in school. He's way behind, particularly in math. So I got some advice and did some consulting at the beginning of this year and decided to do a different math curriculum with him that is designed for struggling learners. And so what I had to do was, (coughs) excuse me, I have a high goal for him. My goal is to get him caught up to where he should be in math by the end of next year, which will be his eighth grade year, or at the latest by the end of his freshman year of high school. That's a high goal. But right now I have low expectations, and I found a curriculum that is designed by a mom who had a kid with similar similar issues, but is also designed exactly for this situation, where you have a child who's looking at high school who's behind. And so this curriculum is designed to take them through one book at a time really getting rock solid in the foundation, and it's okay if they go slowly at first, but you can build. So basically what I'm saying is that I've got a high goal for him, but my expectations are low. We're starting with book one, and I have to measure my expectations because it starts with memorization of math facts, which he knows, but he needs to achieve a particular proficiency and speed And part of it that I realize is I've got to lower my expectations because this is a situation where I'm teaching him to be able to sit down, to focus, and let information that he already knows come to him. And that's not easy for him because sitting still and paying attention isn't easy for him. Math has been difficult for him. He doesn't have good connotations. So I've got to have low expectations. Another situation is, for example, children's chores. I want my children to do their chores in the morning without me prompting them. But I know that to me, at the core, the most important thing is to impress upon, particularly my younger children, that they must do chores because mom needs that help. Mom cannot physically do it all herself. And so if I have to prompt right now, And if I have to remind, that's okay with me. And as we move through working on chores, like we're a few weeks actually into trying to get back on track with chores. So things are smoother now than they were. And I'm prompting less, but I'm still prompting some. And I realize that realistically, I'm gonna have to continue to inspect what I expect going forward. I'm never, probably never gonna reach a point where my kids just do what they're supposed to do without mom going "Hmm, you need to do that or they will they will kind of falter over time even if we have like a two-week streak where everybody does what they're supposed to do if there's no accountability in time that'll slack off so i've got to continue to do it and it could be that there are particular kids who will do their work without prompting forever but i've got eight children, seven of them living at home, all different personalities. So anyways, those are just some examples where you might lower your expectations. And for many of you who are in like that baby stage or that I'm pregnant and I'm running after a toddler stage, again, even if you've got high goals, like I want my baby to sleep through the night, have lower expectations at first and work towards those goals. So it doesn't mean that you always have to settle for the low expectations. It doesn't mean I always have to settle for this thought that, you know, I've had health issues and my business is on the rocks and I'm just, I don't know, you know, my feel like my house is on the rocks. I don't have to settle for that. But I can realize that within the parameters of my energy and my life, this is what I can do and this is what I can prioritize. And this is ways that we can foster family togetherness and then gradually work towards these higher goals. So, okay, let's, let's talk about something else practical. So something that will save you a lot of frustration in the long run is two, two tips we're going to talk about. One is teaching what you expect. And two is ordering your home. So one thing that many parents seem to assume is that their children know what they're supposed to do. And this is not the case at all. Children need to be taught. So, for example, the first time I took my kids out to eat, since all this pandemic stuff kind of started to happen, somebody had given us a gift card for a pizza at Pizza Hut. So we went to Pizza Hut. It was terrible. The pizza was fine. But my kids, I, I thought that I had taken five monkeys to Pizza Hut, not five children. Well, I thought to myself in reflection afterwards, and I was looking at the second Pizza Hut gift card because we'd actually been given two I realized you know what my kids have not been out in public for significant amounts of time for like a year and a half and they certainly haven't been going to restaurants because we're at the tail end of this feeling like it's never ending pandemic so when several weeks later we were making our second excursion to Pizza Hut thought in my mind in advance, we need to talk at the dinner table about appropriate behavior when you're at a restaurant. And then when we're in the van on the way to the restaurant and indeed pulling into the parking lot, I'm sitting here thinking and saying to the kids, okay, when we get in there, no matter how excited you are, you have to stay in your seat. And this is how we ask the waitress for things. This is how we ask mama for things. This is what you need to do, even if you're excited that there are TVs on in the restaurant. And that kind of thing. And that meal went so much smoother. It was so much better because I had taken time to teach my children what they needed to do. Nicolene Peck from Teaching Self-Government talks about pre-teaching, is what she calls it. And... So that's, um, sorry, I'm just trying to make a note so that I can make sure that I put these inf- uh, these names in the show notes. Anyways, so that is a brilliant idea, is pre-teaching. So if you're going out in public or going to, a, uh, uh, you know, to an event or something, pre-teach your children. But it's not just for when you're going out and about. It could be in life. If you want your children to respond to you in a particular way, when you give them an instruction... Teach them that. If you want your... So another example in my life recently. Phoenix is four now. And he's... Getting him dressed every day is frustrating. It's a problem. And I feel like I was trying to have helpers, older siblings, help him get dressed. And it just wasn't going well. And and it occurred to me, again, and I've got super noisy children in the background. And I do apologize for that. Um... So it occurred to me, you know, what Phoenix is for, he really should probably be able to handle dressing himself without all of these meltdowns because he wants mama to help him and not his siblings and stuff. And so over the past several days, I've helped him pick out his clothes in the morning. And then I've just set the clothes beside me and brought Phoenix over to me and said, you need to get dressed. And then as he's getting himself dressed, I said, oh, you know, because he's got Paw Patrol undies. You need to have the dog in the back and helping him make sure that he gets his clothes on the right way. And like this morning he was trying to put his shirt on, but he had the sleeve through the head hole and and like it just was not going to go over his head and he was starting to panic. And so I'm, I just talked to him because of course he can't see because he's got the shirt over his head. It's like, I'm going to help you, Phoenix, because you're stuck and we need to try again. So I pulled the shirt off of his head, gave him a minute to breathe, helped him straighten it out, and gave it back to him. But again, it occurred to me, this, you know, this child needs to be taught how to dress himself each morning on his own. And I'm still there to provide that little bit of help. But it's okay. He's four. He can do this. And there are so many little practical life things or chores or cleaning up after themselves that they may need to be taught. And sometimes they need to be taught as this is the way that it is, which is a concept from Waldorf education that I really like. For example, our boots go on the boot tray. It's as fundamental as the sun rises in the morning. But it may be something that you need to help prompt. And after a time, one thing that's good to do is to not necessarily directly re-instruct. So with my chore example or with boots on the boot tray example, it might be, oh, there's something that you forgot. And then you just kind of pointedly stand there looking at the boots until, oh, I forgot to put my boots on the boot tray. Or, you know, looking perhaps at your chore cards or maybe they're supposed to take the trash out. You know, a 13-year-old's supposed to take the trash out. So I might look at the trash can pointedly and let their brain give the stimulation because the hope is eventually they are going to get to where they do that automatically or where they remember the routine of things. We have supper and then I help clear the table, then I take the trash out, that kind of thing. But again, part of that lowering of expectations is realizing that you may have to teach things that you didn't think that you would have to teach. In many ways, we need to assume that our children have no clue how to function. I I still remember the book that I read in anthropology class my first round through college, because I'm currently trying to finish the degree I never finished, because I went to have a bunch of babies. But I read this biography, and I don't remember what it was, but I've put a note, so I might try and find it, of a cool woman from Africa, and I loved... I loved it. It's, there are parts of it that have stayed with me, um, you know, for decades. But w- one of the things that she said is that children have no sense. And that is clearly universal. I have repeated that to myself so many times over the last 20 years of mothering. But what we remember as moms is that children have no sense, which means that we are their common sense. And sometimes we will have to teach them. So that is that practical of teach what you expect. So keep your expectations low, your goals high, and think about what needs to be taught to bridge your child from one to the other. Now, when you're in a crisis mode, you may be a long, long, long way from where things need to be. And in that case, I would say look at the thing that is most triggering for you or the most difficult for you. So if you are, for example, mothering a toddler and a preschooler and a baby and you're not getting a lot of sleep, the first thing that I would say to do might be to work on sleep. Get a sleep routine in place because that will help restore some of your sanity and realize it might take two or three or even four weeks, especially if you're working with multiple kids, but that is a good place to start. For me, I realized that one of the things that most directly impacts my sense of well-being and serenity and peace is having a clean house. So working with my kids to make sure that they're doing their chores and saying to myself, the thing that I need to be committed to most is checking their work. It doesn't mean that I can't ever help. Our dishwasher is on the fritz right now, yet another life thing. So we're hand washing dishes with nine people living in the house who live in the house all day, every day, except for my 18 year old. Um, So, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, we generate a lot of dishes. And sometimes... Like, for example, for this Thanksgiving holiday that's coming up next week, I'm going to go to the store and buy paper plates. But for the most part, I'm trying to wash dishes. So what I'm saying is this morning I helped wash a few dishes because my 16-year-old didn't get everything quite washed last night, and I knew that my 8-year-old would be overwhelmed. So I washed the pasta pot that didn't get washed last night so that he only had yogurt bowls to wash this morning. So it doesn't mean that you never help, for example... But it does mean that you look at realistically, I don't necessarily have to do everything. I don't have to be superwoman. I don't have to be supermom. And there are bottlenecks. I've talked about this on a prior podcast episode before. Uh, there are bottlenecks that if I clear, those will really help. So, my example is sleep, I know is a big one for a lot of families. And then for me personally, Having a house that's reasonably clean really helps me feel a lot better. So focusing on what can I do to clear that bottleneck is helpful. Um, And this kind of goes along with the second tip, which is having an ordered home. And that can be different things. It can mean a clean home. But most of what I'm talking about, especially if you're dealing with small children, is having a set routine for the day. And I've done many podcast episodes about that. Um, I have courses about that, so I can link to some of those resources in the show notes because I've talked about it so much in the Facebook group. I've got some videos about it. Um, so I'll link to I'll link to that as well. But when you have an orderly routine for your day, and for me, with a large family with a wide spread of ages, and, and then for any mother, mothering young children, I think a routine is just essential because it helps you fit more into your day. Your children know what to expect, which brings them peace and security and helps them do more of that experimenting on, on their own. When you're in a place where you're struggling with trauma or depression, this can be a hard place to get to because your motivation levels are so low. But again, I would encourage you to start small with your expectations of yourself and your children and think about when are our sleep times and when are our meal times. And then you can build into that more. But when you create space in your day by not just kind of floating through the day haphazardly, but rather being more intentional, and it can be intentional in the sense that we have a rhythm to our day, or it can be intentional in the sense like my days are completely scheduled. Like we have a spreadsheet that shows who does what at what time of day for me and the five younger kids, because, and sometimes, especially in the afternoon, we don't always necessarily stick to that. But for the most part, we're we're able to work on that. That's wonderful, baby. I'll be out in a minute. <laughs> so again, you know, life, y'all. Um But having an working towards an orderly home can help. And if you are mom and you have like a little toddler and a baby, and so you're pretty much the one who's doing the chores, there are so many ways that you can create routines that help you keep up with things. And again, it may be slow. You may have to build up to these things, but you can have a more ordered and peaceful day. And you can start with little baby steps that help you get there. So having high goals, low expectations, teaching what you expect of your children, and working to order your home will help you Keep from losing your temper. And if you have been losing your temper a lot and yelling and you just feel miserable and frustrated and, oh my gosh, this is impossible, I want you to step back and remember those points have high goals but low expectations, teach what you expect, and work towards an orderly home. And I want you to ask yourself that question, what are the bottlenecks? And it may be that there's 15 different things. I literally wrote on 15 sheets of paper, I think. It it was at least 8 to 10 different things that are driving me crazy right now a few weeks ago. And then I picked The one that I felt was the most important, which was a clean house and wrote down on there, okay, what are things that I can do about this? And then I took the other papers and I put them aside in my household um, management system, knowing that in a few weeks when I get this one under control, I can take the next one and the next one. And I may never get through that entire stack. But what I'm saying is you take the time to to first give yourself grace. Say, I'm human. This is what's going on in my life. And man, it's been overwhelming. But I can come out of this. I can be a better mom. I can be a calmer mom. These are practical strategies that I can use to start baby stepping out of it. I also want to encourage you to find moments for yourself and take those moments without guilt. It could be a bath. In the evening after you get the kids to bed. It could be a shower. It could be a cup of tea. But you need to find those moments for yourself where you can think. For me, the biggest thing for me right now is walking my dog most days, which I actually ended up missing a bunch of walks because I was feeling so bad. But for the past couple days, I've been able to walk with him, and that's really nice for me. And then for me, I have the luxury of having some older kids at home And so I try and take at least one evening a week where I usually have a counseling appointment once a week. And then that evening, I don't hurry home. So I may visit with a friend or, you know, hang out with somebody or just go to the library and maybe work um, or maybe just read a book, whatever. But I don't hurry home. That's some time for me. And again, as a single parent. That kind of thing is essential. But even when I wasn't a single parent, some evenings I would go to the library and have Scott at home with the kids because, you know, I needed a break. And I think it's okay for moms to need a break. You're human. I realize that there's this saying that, you know, especially in Christian circles, that God fills our cup and so we can pour from an empty cup. But I actually don't think that's true. I think God gives us the resources to take care of ourselves so that our cup can be filled. And there may be extraordinary seasons where you are able to pour from a pretty much empty cup. But please, ask for help. (laughs) When we look at scripture, we see often that when people cried out for help, hands and feet came to help them. There were times when it was just spiritual comfort, but oftentimes we saw hands and feet serving those in society who were most in need, and especially mothers of young children. And even if it's a mommy group, you know, it may not be practical hands-on help in the home. I've made it through the past three and a half years without a lot of practical hands-on help. It's pretty much been me. 24-7, 365. I've got a couple friends who help practically hands-on every once in a while. And I've been able to do it, but it's not easy, and I do need to take some time for myself. So take some time for yourself. One of the things that came to my attention, I think, I can't remember what book it was in, but it may have been Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, which is really quite a fascinating read. Anyways, he... If this was the right book, which it may be the wrong book, and if so, I apologize. But there was a book that was talking about, um, you know, when you take a break, you may promise yourself, for example, if I do this thing, I'm going to reward myself. And it might be I'm going to read a book chapter or I'm going to have a piece of chocolate or whatever. But most of us don't actually ever give ourselves that reward. (laughs) And I realized I'm totally guilty of that. Like I'll say, after I finish this, I'm going to read a few pages of a book and then i never pick up that book. And so if you if you promise yourself a little carrot to get through something, give yourself that reward. Give yourself that reward. So i know that one thing that i do for myself, this this i'm pretty sure came an idea came from the book Tiny Habits. And i don't remember the author right now. But he suggested that after you take your vitamins and stuff in the morning, that you allow yourself one piece of dark chocolate. And that little tip, little tiny habit, has helped me consistently take my vitamins and even my stupid kidney stone medicine each morning is because I have that one little square of dark chocolate, and I just really enjoy it. It's just a nice, bright little moment to my morning. It gives me a smile. It's that little reward. And so, again, finding moments for yourself is is one of those little rewards, and it doesn't necessarily have to be hours and hours. But give yourself something small. Do that for yourself. I have a friend who goes out for a run in the evenings, and that's her reward to herself. So do that. Let go of guilt and ask for help. Again, do not assume that you as a mother should be able to always pour from an empty cup. And sometimes that means doing little things for yourself and sometimes it means and sometimes it means letting go of guilt and asking for what you need so that that might mean sorry again y'all sometimes that might mean that you need to ask somebody to physically come assist you sometimes it might mean that you need to call somebody up and vent. I I was having a lot of trouble with my oldest son and sometimes asking for help was just calling my dad and asking for advice or a friend who had been through the teenage period and asking her for advice or venting and you know letting her know that oh my gosh, I need help because I'm going to go crazy. And sometimes it's been um, when I was getting my house ready for an appraisal and you know, I just couldn't I couldn't do the yard work. There's just no way. And so that, that was asking for help from a support group. And some guys came out and helped clean my yard up to get ready for the appraisal. So sometimes you need to ask for help. And I'm still not perfect at this, but I want you to be willing to ask for help if you need it. It might be help, and I you know I need some counseling to help myself. I need to talk with somebody. Um, I called, we have a single moms group in my area And I called a few months ago because I was just kind of at the end of my rope. And I got paired with a mom mentor who had raised seven kids. And talking to her was just amazing. Because when she said, I know how you feel, I understand, I realized that she really got it. And that was so helpful for me. So even though she didn't come practically help me, again, it was that listening ear and that experience. So let go of guilt and ask for what you need. Be that practical help. Be that a listening ear be that an online support group at first though I hope that you can find people in your community who can be there for you so those all of these things will help you calm down de-stress start to baby baby step yourself out of crisis situations now the last couple points I want to touch on and then I'll finish up because I know this has gotten long and my kids are are chomping at the bit for mama But I want to encourage you not to be afraid to apologize to your kids. If you've had a really tough time, again, one of the things that we want to do, I told you we'd come back to this, is we want to model for our kids. And your kids aren't perfect, you're not perfect, they're not going to be perfect throughout their lives, and they're not going to have perfect lives. So what you can do is say, I'm really sorry that I've had such a horrible temper lately. I'm really sorry that I said things when I was frustrated with you about XYZ. I feel really bad about that, and I'm sorry, and I'm working on these things to help make it easier and to help mama cope. That can be really powerful, and then talking about and modeling healthy coping skills for your kids, so one of the things that we did was make a list of things we can do when we're feeling out of control or upset, and those are things like pet the dog, take a walk, go sit in the bathroom, go to, we have uh, in our laundry room We have a place that we call the calm down spot, which you can kind of see the den from that angle, but you're separated a little bit from the action. And so the calm down spot, or, you know, mama is, if mama goes and sits on the chair in her room, it means mama needs a minute to calm down or that mama's trying to work, you know, so we model these things. We talk about, you know, you can call somebody, you can call granddaddy if you're feeling frustrated and you need somebody to talk to because he's always willing to listen, or you can call Miss Darcy or whatever. So it's starting to model for them healthy coping skills and having conversations and maybe not right in the moment, but later you can go back and say, gosh, mama really lost her temper. She was really upset and there's so much going on. The house was a mess and mama's not feeling well. And when we don't feel well, we sometimes don't act well. And I wish that I had gone and sat down in my room and and taken a minute instead of yelling at you and I'm sorry. And just having those conversations and being open to those things can really help because again, they don't just give an apology to your child. They model how we work things out, how we restore human relationships and also, you know, how we how we go forward in our lives when when we've had a hard time and baby steps. And if you decide to put some of these baby steps into practice, you can talk to your kids. Gosh, mom feels so frustrated when the house is a mess. So we're going to sit down and start working on how do we clean up after breakfast every morning? That's our baby step that we're going to work on to get the house cleaner because everybody feels better and we have a better time and we have more time for fun. Or if you feel disconnected from your kids, think of something that helps you connect. Like for my kids, cooking and read-alouds are big connection points. So I might be intentional about saying, okay, we're going to read aloud. Or if I don't have energy, we're going to listen to somebody else read this book aloud on LibriVox and enjoy that together as a family. Or we're going to cook this meal together. So it's just these little things that help restore and rebuild relationship and help model healthy things. And so all of these are strategies that come together to help you start to turn things around from a stressful situation. And again, I can't emphasize enough getting help. I I don't know where I would be Without the help that I have gotten over the past three and a half years, it's been really crucial. So ask for help if you need help, even if it's just getting advice because you think that you're at the end of your rope. That's one of the things that I'm doing in Mama Baby Rising is um, I'm doing one-on-one work with pregnant moms, but I've also got a lot of moms who are expressing interest about help in the postpartum and in the toddler years. And so we just talk about your situation I'd be happy to jump on the phone with you and look at what it might look like to have somebody who's there able to listen, a third party who's been been through a lot of years of parenting and can um, give practical strategies and practical ideas on ways that you can order your days, ways that you can model healthy behavior for your children, ways that you can take care of yourself and your circumstances. I'm happy to talk with you if you want to talk about your particular circumstance. We can do like an hour call, hopes and dreams kind of call. Um, and just talk that over. You can check that out. Um, just actually, just shoot me an email, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com if you want to connect or if you want to get more information about Mama Baby Rising, it's on the Mama Baby Birthing page. So you can head over to Mama Baby Birthing, M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com. But with that, I'll finish up because I know this episode has gotten really long and I will talk with you soon. I hope you have a blessed week, a blessed Thanksgiving next week, and we'll see if I can get you a podcast next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.